Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome friends to another episode of Hope in the Heart of Family Life. My name's Alicia and I am here uh, in the closet with founder, our lead uh, belief therapist, and my mom, Abby Shields. It's so wonderful to be back in the closet again. It's been a while. (laughs) Um, And so what we are kind of coming to the end of season two. I can't believe it. I know. And we are, it's around the holidays. And so what we thought we would do is kind of wrap up season two with like a holiday 911 <laughs> just uh i don't even want to call it a survival guide for the holidays but just some truths and principles to give keep, you a perspective to that, give you a perspective that allows you to experience the joy of what the holidays are and what we are to be celebrating which is the birth of our savior um it's real easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle Um, of those things. So that's why we decided that we were going to camp on this because, I mean, I mean, you are around a lot of family (laughs) during the holidays. So, but for this first part, um, we want to focus on the hard of the holidays, you know, because unfortunately not the holidays doesn't, um, there, there are hard things that come with the holidays, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. You have the, the stress of um, trying to get it all done. The If you have uh, a death in the family and this is your first holiday without them, that's hard. Um, ha- sitting around the table with family members that you are not how can I say this? That they're nicely. difficult. They're difficult. <laughs> Hard to love people. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, stuff like that. So, that's what we're going to dive in today. And so, for this first episode, we are looking at two very hard things. Um, we're going to look, look at... Um, hard relationships and then we're also going to spend the rest of our time talking about the hard of grieving during the holidays and so i i want to set up the context of this conversation being that the the context for this is truths and perspectives to keep in mind as you navigate situations where you you are um 
you're going to be around a lot of family. You might be around people that you don't enjoy. Um, celebrating the holidays might bring up a lot of grief for you. And so the things that we're going to be talking about are going to be how to endure this season or these gatherings. And I mean, it can be anything outside of the holidays too, just these family gatherings that can bring up some tough stuff, you know, because on a larger scale, you know, there there might be dynamics and issues that you have to work through, like forgiveness and setting boundaries and I guess other principles that you would apply in the long term right, as everyday a, relationships. Right. As opposed to these intermittent gatherings um, that can bring up some tough stuff. So I just want to make sure for our listeners out there that the way we the context of this conversation is for these instances where, you know, they're they're a very I wouldn't even call it a season, like an instance right. of how to how to navigate through these instances where we're in situations that are hard or bring up grief. Right. But I th I think these things are intensified, especially during the holidays, because I think a lot of people come into the holidays with certain expectations, believing that all is going to be well, and you know, Aunt Sally is not going to make those comments that she always makes, and. Uh, when that happens, because you have such high expectations of wanting everything to be perfect during the holidays, uh, it can uh, exacerbate or yeah. heighten the conflicts that, that arise. Yeah. So, so I want to ask you, um, <laughs> is there anyone that you can remember growing up with or maybe in your y young adult life that you had a tough time with during the holidays? Oh my gosh. Yes. Well, I, in my younger days, uh, my parents would always drag us up to a little town called Wapwallop in Pennsylvania where my great aunts and great uncles, um, who were, um, so much older than me, you know, the, the fact that they were my great aunts tells you something about the age difference, but they always had comments to make about my dress, um, how I wore my hair, you know, all those typical things. And so they were, were always, always, always making comments to put me down. I know in the later years after I got married, one, one individual, and I still have issues with this, is that uh, was is my mother-in-law, and I love her dearly. So don't don't get the idea that I don't <laughs> love my mom. My mother-in-law, she's 98 years young, so I I have to give her a lot of grace. But I, as a matter of fact, I just recently saw her, and one of the first words out of her mouth were, "Oh, Abby, you've gained so much weight. You're fat." <laughs> and, and, <laughs> thank uh, you for sharing that, <laughs> Mom. But you know, it's learning, and she did that almost from the time that. I married her son, it was always some comment about my weight. And so over the years, I've had to learn to give her grace, etc. But that's those were the be, would be the people that in growing up would cause me grief. Yeah. I have to say, I can't remember um, 
this hasn't been too much of an issue for me, just maybe because, um, you know, maybe as a byproduct of all of that, you kind of kept our family circle pretty small. Um, and so the holidays, we don't have a large extended family that's anywhere near us. So um, it's not something that I've totally had to Deal navigate with. probably on the levels that other people have. Because um, I would say that the most that i have really experienced um, on a grander scale is just going to my in-laws Christmas for the for the first time and it just feeling very different. Um, there wasn't a, any kind of tension or conflict. It was just it was just very different dynamics in play and it wasn't the expectation that right. I had. So that was really all I had to navigate. So what I want to talk about for the first part of this episode is how do we navigate these hard relationships where we are put in situations where we have to be around people that aren't our favorite? Right. right. <laughs> well, like, what are some things that we can keep in perspective? Because again, it's not about the problems that exist between these, you know, these tough people are not going to be solved during the holidays. No, they're not. It's and and I think that's actually probably one of the things to keep in mind is that you know these you're not going to change Aunt Sally overnight, or especially during Christmas, Christmas. or Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's an Aunt Sally out there, I'm just using that. I'm not. I do not have anyone in mind when I say Aunt Sally. We could be Uncle Bob or. You know, Aunt Mary or your mother or your father, whoever. Right. But um, yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a tough thing. But what I have learned over the years, ultimately, as a Christ follower, um, the things that I think about as far as relationships, because the scriptures really are the, there to teach us how to what it looks like to have a healthy relationship, one with your heavenly Father, but then also with one another, and so. Um, as I have grown in my knowledge and understanding of Christ and what our purpose as a Christian is, is that uh, the number one thing is to we're to bring glory to God. And we are and we do that through being an imitator of his son. Ephesians 5, 1 and 10, 1 and 2 says, be an imitator of God and live a life of love. Second Corinthians five twenty says, you are called to be an ambassador for Christ as if God himself were making his appeal through you. I take that job seriously. And so it's with that that I begin and that perspective that I begin to when I go into a family gathering or even outside of the holidays, it's I take that job seriously. Yeah. And so I want to be an imitator of God. And so if I have hurtful words or I'm, if I'm constantly getting my feelings hurt, I'm not ultimately living out of my spirit. I'm letting my flesh patterns and behavior patterns um you know, come forth. And that's not a healthy thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think, too, along those same lines in terms of, um, you know, being a Christ follower is that, you know, Jesus talks about in Scripture loving unlovable people. Like that is what, you know, sets us apart is that, you know, seeing everyone no matter how difficult is that they are an image bearer 
of the one true God. And so that gives every person, no matter how annoying or hurtful or mean or whatever, dignity. Because they are an image bearer. Now, they might be a very wounded image bearer. But, um, you know, in Luke, uh, I think it's Luke chapter 6, he even talks about, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And it's just this idea that as Christ followers, we love with a different kind of love. Um, Spiritual love, not worldly. Right. Because, you know, we don't have to like everybody. (laughs) We don't have to like all of our family members, but we are called to love them. And so in navigating these situations where you are, where you do have to be around um, people that you may not like, you know, it's keeping that perspective that you are called as a believer to love unlovable people. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, scripture after scripture, I mean, I, I could go on about this, but like Colossians 1.19 says that all of God, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Christ. And then Galatians 2.20 says all of Christ is in you because when Christ died, you died and he then came to live within you. And so um, if that's the case and I'm called to be an imitator, what does that look like? And th- these qualities are mentioned nine different times in Scripture that I, as a, an ambassador for Christ, am to model. Um, because what better way for someone to get to know the Jesus that you know um, and the Jesus I know than through modeling these five characteristics? And the first one is compassion. Having compassion means having an act of concern for the suffering of your family member who might be struggling with something or who has have these irritating behavior patterns. And that's that's a real important characteristic to have is compassion. And then the second one is giving them mercy, not giving them they deserve to have you throw up all over them with the words because of their behavior, but God is asking you to give them mercy. And mercy is not giving them what they do deserve. Um, and so just those two things, if you were to practice that and come into the family gathering or in any relationship with those two things. And then the third one is, um, being slow to anger. Yeah, I was, that was what kind of came to mind for me was just not having a spirit of offense. The way you always (laughs) say it to me is just say, don't own it. And you put your hand up like a (laughs) I'm not going to own that kind of thing. But if we are, but it's so true. If we're getting, if our heart is protected by the love of our Savior and we know who we are and whose we are, our spirit of offense will not be, it doesn't mean that we don't feel hurt or we don't feel the sting of maybe somebody's words. And like I said, you know, outside of these instances where you need to be in the same room with people, you know, there is a proper place for boundaries and for, you know, distancing yourself from toxic people. You know, we're not in any way saying be a doormat because you're called to love. It's actually, okay, loving them well might look like setting up boundaries. But for these instances that we're talking about is that if we are freed up by the love of Christ, we, you know, these zingers that come at us during the holidays, um, 
we don't have to, we are free not to right. receive that and have a spirit of, of offense. We are freed up to have compassion because here's the thing is, and we've talked about this before, is that hurt people hurt people. Right. And so if there are p- family members or people in your life that constantly are hurting you and wounding you, that is coming from their own hurt, hurt and mm-hmm. woundedness and our compassion that Christ gives us right. is the ability to see that. Right. But the part of the problem here is, and people say that's so hard, and it is, because compassion, having an act of concern for the suffering of another, goes totally against our sin nature, which, remember, sin is the DNA of sin is self. And we normally have an act of concern for our own suffering, and which, and that's why having compassion is hard to do. But there's where living out of the Spirit of Christ in you, that not in my strength can I do that. But when I call on Christ to give me that perspective to be able to do that, and then um, having, um, having redemptive love, and redemptive love is sacrificial love. In other words, sacrificing what I need to come under them and give them what they're possibly looking for, attention, um, position, or power over the family. I mean, there's all different reasons for behavior that is not very honoring to God. But And then finally is forgiving them. Yeah. You know, I think forgiveness in, in real hard to deal with people Forgiveness has got to be there. You know, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the thing. But what you do have control over, you don't have control over the people that you're having a problem with, but what you do have control over is your reaction to that. Mm. And so and you mentioned setting a boundary. Um, I think it's important in setting a boundary. If they bring up a topic that is not something that you want to talk about or that you want to deal with, I think you need to say something like, let's not get into that now, and then move, change the subject. Yes. Um, because it's respectful, but it doesn't pull you in, because the enemy is going to try to pull you in yeah. to the conflict, um, and there's where you've got to set your boundaries. Yeah. Like, I can think of, you know, um, my husband's side of the family just has very different political views, and it's just like, you know... We want to enjoy, if we want to enjoy, um, you know, our family members, we know those, we I, we call them trigger topics mm-hmm. that we just don't, we choose not to talk about and we choose to enjoy the person as opposed to get into these trigger topics that just, we know are just going to end in disagreement. So I think it's good. You had said, um, you know, concerning... Um, grandma of just like when she brings up those things, just saying, okay, we're not going to talk about my weight right now. Or thank you for sharing. Let's move on. Yes. Just topic changers. I mean, it's, it's good. Those are good tools to use and not to get recognized when you're getting pulled into the fight, the fight. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. So, So, and another thing I think in dealing with hard to reach or hard to deal with individuals, is especially at holiday gatherings, be careful with the alcohol, that you know, how much alcohol you drink, because alcohol can give you a loose tongue, mm. and things can be said. Not that I'm saying you can't, not to not drink alcohol, but I find that um, situations can be exacerbated with um, drinking because you do get a loose tongue, so be careful of that. And um, the other thing is just 
keep your perspective one of Christ. Put on the gospel lens and not the world lens, which yeah. we talk a lot about. But that's so true. And then for me, it's just breathing, taking a deep breath and stepping away if I need to, you know, to just get my composure back. And because ultimately I want to represent Christ at the dinner table yeah. and, and in all of my experiences. Not and just do you think there's room? Because I feel like sometimes, you know, we go to certain gatherings because we just, we succumb to expectations or do you think there's room for just like, hey, this is not a healthy gathering for me and giving yourself permission, permission not to go right. <laughs> sometimes yeah. mm-hmm. that sometimes things can be so toxic that it's just like, hey, I know there's this expectation that we're all going to get together and blah, blah, blah. But um, sometimes just giving yourself grace to say, this is too much for me right now. And, you know, and if that's the way you feel, then... Navigating say it. that, in, but say that in love. Yes, you know. and prior to yes. you know the event. So I, I just think that that's you know na- yeah. navigating difficult people also means giving yourself grace to realize, hey, I'm just not in a space where I am able to deal with this like, right now. Great, yeah, that's great advice. Alicia. Yeah. So, um, I, we're gonna move to the part where you're gonna cry. Yes, so. <laughs> I will. Because, you know, I think and I, I know that even an even tougher topic um, than dealing with hard relationships during the holidays um, is just dealing with grief, the heart of grief, um, you know, because the holidays bring up just, um, I mean, it, it can bring up old grief even. I mean, even and it can be grief, absolutely the loss of a loved one. Um, but it could also just be grief of, hey, our um, grieving a divorce, grieving um, a loss of a job. I mean, there's just so many other things besides loss of a loved one due to like death or illness that you can be grieving um, during the holidays. I did see this really great quote um by a lady named uh, Katie Kavinsky of the Center for Grief and Healing in Ontario. And she says this about grief. She said, but pain is like water. It finds a way to push through any seal. There's no way to stop it. Sometimes you have to let yourself sink inside of it before you can learn how to swim to the surface. So it just kind of comes over you. I want to ask you, can you think of a season of, you know, the holidays where you are walking through a season of grief that particularly stands out to you? Over my 73 years of living, there have been numerous times um, that I've had to go through the holidays with different things that were taken from my life, whether it be, um, I remember the first Christmas my dad wasn't around. Um, that was hard. Um, this is where I'm going to cry. <laughs> uh, I mean, he died, and this is the thing, is that um, he died in 2002, and here it is, 2023, and I still have 
those moments, um, remembering the first Christmas without dad. And um, another time was when we lost all of our possessions and we didn't have the money to be able to have the kind of Christmases yeah. that we, that was a grieving period for me. When uh, Beverly drowned and it was, I remember the first Christmas without her, um, moving down from Pennsylvania down here to Louisiana. And my Where it's Christmas, 90 degrees. Oh my gosh, that was really, really hard because, I mean, I turned the air conditioner way down so I could build a fire in the fireplace because it was, I think, my first Christmas down here in Louisiana, it was like 89, and that's just, you don't find those kind of temperatures no. in Pennsylvania. So yeah, there's, there's been numerous, I mean, I could go on, but that's plenty, but... Um, the the feelings and the um, the fact that you don't have it's kind of like the transition of going from the ending of what was to the new beginning. That's hard. That transitional period is hard, and that's where we want to try to address some of the issues today about talking about grief. Yeah, I think one of the big things in talking about grief is just acknowledging that it's okay not to be okay. Yes. That there is a season for grief. I did want to read out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, that says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And I don't know, I think my experience just, I don't, I'm of the opinion that as this is a like gross generality, but just as Christians, we don't do the full spectrum of emotions well. Like we are afraid of, like we're we're not given space to to grieve. And right. so I think um, I think this is just the starting point of realizing that there is a season for it. And the best way, you know, to get to the other side of grief is to go through it. It's the, the danger and we get stuck is when we avoid it. Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's why you have different scriptures that say, you know, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there is hope on the other side. It's, it's not, yea, though I stay there forever. There, there will be a season on the other side where you will come out of the grieving. Yeah, you still have the memories. And as you can see, I mean, the death of my father, because I was his baby girl, um, even though it's years later, it, there's still moments when I think of that, that I, I still miss that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's why I love the 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 imagery of grief being like water or like waves because it really does. It is not this. There are stages of grief, but they're not linear. Right. It's not like okay, I've passed anger and now I'm on to I don't even know what the all the stages are, but the next stage mm-hmm. and that sometimes you go back to anger. And so just being okay with letting yourself experience grief 
as you need to. Right. And there's no there's no timeline. That's why I, I'm I'm not crazy about the seven stages of grief or uh, five stages of grief because you do you you go through it. And uh, one of our counselors in our uh, ministry, Laura Freeman. Um, explains grief this way, and I think it's an excellent way to um, look at grief. Is she said, I picture grief as standing in the gulf, and you're about 50 yards out, and the waves are coming in, and there are going to be waves that come over your ankles, and it doesn't knock you off your feet at all. And then there's going to be times where there's a wave that'll come, and it'll you you feel unsteady, but you still stand on your feet. And she says. There are moments, though, especially in the beginning of loss, that it feels like this wave that comes like a tsunami yeah. that comes and knocks you over and you have a hard time getting up. You can't get your breath. And it's, she said it's in those moments that you really want to make sure that you have a support system. That's why I'm a big believer in support groups. I know Trinity Church has a support group for grief. I know the Covington Baptist Church. Here and and if you're listening to this outside of our area, um, check. They into have grief this. share yeah. groups, you know, all over, all over the mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing our pastor brought up um, last week or a couple weeks ago was also another passage in Ecclesiastes talking about that there is, there are there is wisdom and there are. Th- and God meets you in your grief. Um, it's actually Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Um, it says, A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth, which sounds so completely weird to hear. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. And I think it's just this idea that, again, there is a place for grief um, and that there are things that you learn about the character of God in the depths of your grief that you can't learn about him at the heights of joy. I think going back to Laura, I think she even says that you can't experience the heights of joy until you fully experienced the depths depth of, of grief, grief. Yeah. because you know that God is in both. Like I think about, you know, dad's cancer journey and just realizing that there were, th- I did not want to walk through that. I did not want to experience that sorrow and that grief, but there are things that I learned about God's love for me and his faithfulness and all of that, that I could not have learned any other way, any other way. And so again, I just, the encouragement is there, there is a time for grief, but there is hope, you know, when you, when you walk through it, there's, I mean, just in those scriptures, just that there's wisdom, um, in that house of grief, which I think leads to our next point is to, when you are in these seasons of grief, to be kind to yourself. Um, you know, just don't don't put a lot of expectations on yourself during these holidays when you are in a season of grief. Absolutely. I mean, once again, it's it's expectations. I mean, there's a uh, all different types of things, especially during the holidays, that um, 
you can do or to help you move through it. Yeah. So in that topic of being kind to yourself that you were talking about, it's really important. I mean, there's all kinds of things um, that you can be aware of and to do to get through the holiday season with whatever, whether it's divorce or death or um, loss of a job, etc. But I think the first thing, and we've talked about this some, is don't expect too much from yourself. Okay, there's you don't have to do it all or be it all, and it's okay for you to be sitting where you are. Okay, and then the other thing is don't apologize for your feelings or your tears because. Um, you don't have to put on the stoic face and say, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And it's, gonna, yeah. you know, the, I, it's so important to be real and to let people know, um, you know, so if you feel up to it, because I found that um, during my periods of grief, I would um, get my focus off myself and put it on others. So if you feel up to it, volunteer somewhere to help hand out toys, get the focus off of yourself and um, look at someone else who needs your help and to be, you know, to be productive. Um, don't do Christmas cards. Don't, don't, yeah. don't put a whole lot. And, and I say Christmas cards, but don't, if you don't feel like decorating much, you don't do it. Well, that goes back to what I was saying is just don't put a lot of expectations on yourself. Yeah. Right. You know, um, yeah. So how about um, to get the focus off yourself, find a child that, you know, might not have the best home life or something and ask to take them shopping for Christmas, Get you know, that type stuff. Um, I mean, it's just... I think it's just finding little joys. I don't yeah. think we need to like... Give you a list. Yeah, it's just about finding the little joys, whatever that looks like for you. If, you know, keeping yourself busy by doing some of these things that we've talked about or whatever, but it's finding little joys, but not expecting... Big results. Uh, yeah, or things that, you know, things you may have done in the past you might not be able to do this year, and right. that is okay. A-okay. Right. Um, and I think the last thing when we're talking about grief is just, and, and this is to me is just the most important, is just leaning into God and to your people. Like, you are not called to carry this grief by yourself, um, you have a village, you have a community, whether that be family, church, family, friends, leaning into your people that you know are okay with you not being okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then especially like leaning into God, you know, I, some again, getting back to kind of that idea that we don't create space for the negative emotions as um, as Christians, you know, inviting inviting God into your grief instead of trying not to be sad because you know there is a God. That's just not real and authentic. No. He wants He wants your sorrow. I mean, Psalm thirty four eighteen says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He comforts those who are crushed in spirit. Well, His comfort comes when we bring Him our grief when we bring him into it. Right. Um, Psalm 77, which again is one that my pastor 
directed me to a couple weeks ago. It is just this psalm about the psalmist crying out of like, God, where are you? Have you forgotten to be compassionate? Have you forgotten your mercy? Like, when is this awful season going to end? And the Psalm 77 ends with him remembering who God is. And I think that's part one just thing, no matter what hard season you're walking through, is remembering who God is in those um in those hard times. And it just talks about being the God that works miracles, being the God who is faithful, all of those different things. Um, because there is comfort in knowing who is holding you up during those sorrowful times and lament to him. I mean, there's a whole book of lamentations (laughs) of people just crying, to God. And so I think it's so important to invite God into your grief instead of trying to put on the strong face for God. And I just think we miss that. And I wonder, are we putting on the strong face for God or are we putting on the strong face for people because we're concerned about what they might think of us or they're going to make comments like, all right, you've been grieving for six months now. It's time to get on with your life because there is no timeline for grief. It Everyone grieves at their own rate. And so um, it's just really important that you be real during this period of time and let people know. Also, ask for what you need. Don't just, don't just think that people are going to assume that, that they know what you need. Ask people for help, whatever it is during this time. Yeah. yeah. So as we wrap this Series. This this time up, I just want to end with a quote from uh, Angela Miller about grief, because, I mean, there are hard things in the holidays, um, but I think this is such a good quote to end on concerning holiday grief. And she says this, she says, just like grief, there are no rules for surviving holiday grief. Do what you need to do to survive. Honor your loved one how you need to and do what feels best for your fragile, aching heart. You are missing a huge piece of you. So do whatever you need to do to find a sliver of peace. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer.